welcome to the show. Paul George here with Adam Kong talking all things art of living. All things with Paul things. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I want to do. I want to redo the intro, but I want you to do the intro. What you mean? Like, I want you to do the intro to the show. Like, I always do the intro to the show. You but do? You getting tired of it? <laughs> I want to see how you do it. Let's have an intro off. An intro off? Yeah. Like right now? Yeah, like right now. Okay. Sounds an intro good. off. Right, so I did the intro. Now you get to do well, an me, intro. Give me a countdown. Okay. One, two, three. Welcome to the show. I got nothing. <laughs> Paul wins. <laughs> I won today. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Adam Conk here with Paul George. We're both sipping some caffeinated beverage, but a different one. You yeah, got tea. That was good. That was much better. The second, the <laughs> second try. But you only get one I have try. To warm up. Yeah, I, I blew um, it. Now you've done a lot of radio in your life, so I know you got an intro in you. But what happened was, I was trying to channel my inner Paul George. No, no. And I, it didn't work. Yeah. So then I just threw that out the window, and I said, Let, let's do the Adam thing. And that's that's when the beverage came out. Okay, so <laughs> we'll have another competition another day. You, just, you love competition, in a good way. Yeah. You're, you're a sports guy. Yeah, but I, I... Yeah, competition, I think, brings out the best in you, and some fun. I mean, it should... You know, competition should be fun. It should. Something you enjoy together. Yeah. Like if I enjoy beating you at a certain sport. Right. And you enjoy being beaten. Like we we could do a sing-off and you would win. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All we, day long. If we did a football throw-off. Okay, let's do a sing-off right now. Uh-oh. Okay, pick... <laughs> pick your uh, favorite 80s song. Oh. Because I'm easy. I'm easy like Sunday morning. That's nice. Okay. All right. Um, my favorite <laughs> '80s song. <clears throat> this is all on the spot, everyone. There's one that sing that I sing often, actually, around this time of year. Okay. Holiday. Do do do. Celebrate. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around this holiday time. Yeah, comes out often. Yeah, well, you got a good voice. Thanks, man. All right, so I have uh, <laughs> I have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. Yeah, I'm for real. So, um, follow this guy on Twitter. He's a comedian. His name is John Christ. And have you have you seen him at all? Yeah, uh, I have. So he's like a he's a really funny guy, but he's from what I gather Christian. Um, Seems that he's way. He's clean, but he, what he, he knows too much about a Christian to not be one. Yeah. So what? But it, what he does is he a lot of his comedy is picking on the church in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things he does is really hysterical. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he posted this video recently, and uh, uh, it was a video spoof, and uh, he called it uh, basically a virtual church. So you could wake up in the morning and put on these goggles. You know how they have all these virtual goggles that you wear? You could play video games and you know do all these things. So the spoof was in the video is virtual church. You put on the goggles, and, and like you could pick – your type of church service, you could pick your songs, you could pick, you know, your your pastor or the preacher, type of sermon you wanted, like topic, and uh, and you could just lay in bed and watch virtual church on the goggles, and it it really cracked me up. I, I did happen to see this, and my favorite was you can 
pick the skinniness level of your worship leader's jeans. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I honestly think, like, in a lot of churches today uh, in America, like, it's so technology-based, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, like, non-traditional church, Catholic churches where, you know, you you literally, like, there's some churches I know of, I have friends that go to and whatnot, that they watch the sermon from their pastor from another church on a screen like it's in, it's in like 4D 4D like, like life size or something wow. like so so they would you know it's it's almost like virtual church it's almost like virtual church so anyway he did this whole spoof kind of you know <laughs> doing that but it was really hysterical cuz you had all these different options <laughs> of what you could pick and then i started thinking like if i had to do if i had a virtual mass or you know virtual sunday like what what i would Pick what would Paul's playlist be. Would my playlist be for music? <laughs> you know, who would I pick? You know, to do the sermon, a homily. What would my topic be? Um, oh yeah, you could set your conviction level for the homily. Conviction zero level. to five. What or... type of ch- what type of church would I be in? Like like type of you know design of a church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yada yada yada. It's pretty funny. It is funny. Actually, I had some experience with this being a musician, a church musician. And it's it's weird. Um, when I was getting into it, okay, obviously I had my own favorite music, my own favorite songs. But after a while, you just have to realize that the church doesn't belong to you. And I think this is the point of the video. Um, and I think at the end he said, uh, "View our church. Finally, there's a way to make church even more about you." <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> But I, yeah, yeah. as a musician, you go through this, or hopefully, you, hopefully you do if you're a good church musician. But you go through this, this uh, con- confrontation with my personal way of doing things and what's good for the church. And there's a conflict, and then you have to decide: Are you going to be a musician for the church or for yourself? Hmm. And uh, I think all of us need to make that. For me, it was through music because that's where I grew up. I was 15 years old doing music. But probably everyone at, at some point in church needs to have this moment of tension. Do I come here for me and my own personal tastes, or do I come here for something bigger? Yeah. And I think that rings true for everything, like all of our gifts, whatever your gift is, our gifts are. Um, do Are those serf, self-serving gifts, or do they serve other people? Do they serve uh, the church, the community, the culture to make it better? Or is it about me? You know, uh, and, you know, I think about that all the time in regards to, you know, a lot of times people who are up front, you know, you kind of see them They're, you know, they, they speak or they preach or they do music or, you know, they lead. Um, you we can kind of point at those people and say, you know, are they serving themselves or their gifts? But everyone has gifts and all of our gifts are called to serve the community, to make the community stronger and better and to help each other grow move forward in relationship with Christ, ultimately. Yeah, and there's such a, such a temptation to say that God wants me to use my gift, and so the community needs to be a place where I use my gift to the fullest extent, or else it's a bad community. And this happens a lot. Like, I don't feel welcome here because I can't be me the way I want to be me. Instead, I think the Lord calls us all to a maturity where we discover our gifts as we give them, right? Yeah. So it's not like, hey, this is my thing. You need to let me do my thing. And if I'm not able to do my thing, then this parish stinks. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like, hey, this is these are the gifts I have. I place them at the service of the church. 
hopefully it can be used, but I'm going to discover more of who I am here rather than like offer a product or something that you have to take. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what's really hard sometimes is when we're misunderstood in our gifts or judged mm-hmm. um, or, you know, not accepted or pushed out. And, and that's where we experience unhealthiness in a community. And I want to get to that a little bit later. But t- today we celebrate an interesting saint in the church, feast day of St. John of the Cross, who, right, started a religious order. Yeah, he was a co-founder with St. Teresa of Avila of the um, Reform Order of the Carmelites. Yeah. And he was her spiritual director, even though he was much younger. Yeah. But uh, so, look, shout out to all young spiritual directors. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but John, in his, John, this is around the 1500s, John was very misunderstood by his community. Oh, yeah. even, even his own friars imprisoned him at one point, right? Because yeah. his gifts were misunderstood. I think a lot of times for people who are seeking real holiness, sainthood, um, a lot of times we're judged, or people are judged, or are you know misunderstood in that pursuit of holiness, you know, and you know John was at the same time, but this guy was on the next level of like holiness, yeah, um, you know, and when you're the spiritual director of Saint Teresa <laughs> of Avila, right? Yeah, if you're so saint that you can make other saints... When you're so saint, you can make another saint. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> then you might be doing something right. <laughs> that dude's so saint. But but that goes back to the whole gift and community. Like, our gifts are called to serve others, to make others better, yep. not us better. Right. Right? Uh, to make the church better, to make, you know, our, you know, if you lead music, the worship is to make the community holier you know, by, by the worship, not, not me or, or whatever the case may be. And I think that's what, what John did was he had the ability to kind of disappear and make other people better, like fade in the background. Like it was all about Jesus. And I think that's the tension we often feel is, um, am I becoming more about me? Is it prideful and ego? And, uh, you know, am I inflated and do I love affirmation too much? And, you know, or I'm really seeking humility and serving the church in that light. When you mentioned community and St. John of the Cross, it's so interesting about him because you're right, like he disappeared in a lot of ways. He took the hard road because he had to. There was this tension in him that the life he was living, he was already religious, but the life he was living was not exactly what God was calling him to. So he had to find a place where his calling matched his, his surroundings, you know? So anyway, he he becomes a doctor of the church. And that's interesting because he started a trend. I mean, really, St. Teresa of Avila is also a doctor. What's interesting, you know, the doctors of the church in the beginning were out in front. St. Augustine's, you know, of the world that were out in front, leading the way for the church. Like, everybody looks to them as a leader. But then as the church matured and maybe deepened in their spirituality, we started pulling doctors of the church from those that went into prayer mm-hmm. more. And St. John of the Cross is an example. So he, he didn't spend his life, like, going out and refuting heretics or establishing churches. I did it help establish monasteries, but all he did was he he helped the community by teaching people to pray, mm-hmm. and that's it. And we learned from him. He's the spiritual doctor of prayer, and um, I think today we kind of need both. We need those that are out in front. Yeah. We need, but they also need to know how to pray. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's dangerous if you know. And we need we need people who are living holiness through ordinary gifts. Who are mm-hmm. hidden, who aren't recognized or seen, right? And so often we want to be seen and noticed, you know, and particularly in this world of 
media and social media. You know, it's yep. like, you know, at the end of the day, I think what what this comedian was getting to, which I which I like, is like at the end of the day, like how far do we go with media yeah. and, and this virtual stuff to where we disconnect from community? And yeah, wasn't there an introvert setting? And yeah, like <laughs> there's no relationship. There's yeah. no relationship. And I love this quote from Saint John of the Cross. He says, at, "At the at the at the evening of our life, we will be judged on love." You know, at the evening of our life, we will be judged on love. Like at the very end, like not how we not, like how we loved other people. Like, and I love that quote because it, it's simple and as holy as he was as all the work that he did like this is this is how he simplified it at, at the evening of my life i'm gonna be judged on how i love people yeah well in hers add another quote one of my favorites from her his spiritual directee saint Teresa of avila we only really love god as much as the person we love the least hmm Wow. <laughs> Wait, let, say it again. Let's we, all just sit with that We one. only really love God as much as the person we love the least. Wow. That's a challenge. Yeah. You yeah know, so I, if we're judged on our love, yeah. but our real love is how we love the one we love the least, then we have some work to do. And I think that's, that's part of the, the reality of community is that Real community, you can't run from someone who annoys you if it's real community. Yeah. Real community is not something we build for ourselves. It's something that's given to us, like our family, our church parish. I mean, none of us decide who's going to belong to the church parish. You know what I mean? Right. Real community, you're going to have people that annoy you, that get on your nerves. Not to say that they ha- you have to be best buds with these people, but those are precious moments to love. And if we run from those moments, we're really running from God. Yeah. Well, I, I got to evaluate my whole life right now in light of that <laughs> quote in a good way because yeah. I think, you know, we run from, quote you know, quotes or sayings like that because it makes us feel uncomfortable. But I think if, if I were to sit and evaluate and say, who am I having a hard time loving and who or who has hurt me or who have I kind of pushed away because they're hard to love? And if that if that is like the lowest level on which I love God, right? Like, come on, like, like mm. that is a good challenge for me to really really think about it because i think we all struggle with loving people that are hard to love yeah and i think at the end of the day like at the evening of our of our life if we're judged on love we have to learn to love people that are hard to love yeah i mean jesus talks about it love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you you know it's easy to love the people who are easy to love and I think that's the challenge. So yeah, and he says the our Lord says the measure you measure will be measured out to you. Yeah, and the mercy, patience, gentleness you give to that person that most annoys you, that's what you're gonna get. Yeah, and look <laughs> to bring this all back in circle uh, is you know we can't love people virtually. No, and we can't do it. Uh, we have to love people in relationship and in in community. So anyway, we're gonna come back. Talk more about that. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. 
Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam in studio, talking art of living. How you doing today? Doing well. So, new baby and yeah, life's you, good. You do have a new baby. It's like a week old. Yeah. Not quite two weeks. Brand new baby. And I went. I saw your baby. You did. Thanks for that. You weren't home. No. But your wife and kids and your sister was there um, and saw the little baby. Yeah, she's great. <clears throat> Good it's, luck holding the baby because all your other kids were just, <laughs> you know, taking care of the baby. Yeah, it's funny. I've had to not fuss, but my uh, oldest daughter, I've had to tell her, like, look, sometimes it's not going to be okay to hold the baby. Like, right. you're not going to be able to hold it 24-7. Right. And you're just, not the mother. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> like you can't feed the baby. Right. <laughs> we got this. But you can help. But what a beautiful thing to have to tell her that versus, like, won't you just hold your sister sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> No, and, and, you know, speaking of community, like, you you know, each family is their own little community. And I think it was cool, you know, I went to <clears throat> to your house to drop something off. And, um, yeah, just seeing your own little family community. And, you know, I was reading, somebody had, had um, sent out a quote. I, I can't remember what saint, but said, um, you know, the greatest gift that you could give your children is a sibling. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know how far you go with that, like how many <laughs> how many siblings, but you know I even think in in our own family and life, like having a, a late in life baby, yeah, um, and having older kids, seeing the gift that the child has become to our family, it's almost like the joy and the glue, and it's like yeah, wow, you know, you kind of think of it, and and it's beautiful. So anyway, your own little community was blessed <laughs> by a little sibling, yeah, and. You know, I was saying this the other day to someone. We're talking about clerical loneliness, mm-hmm. which seems to be an issue today. Yeah. And I don't know the solutions to it, but I do know that I'm not a lonely person. Now, there is such a thing as married loneliness, and that's an epidemic too. So it's not that you're just around people, but it's how to live as a community. Not just you're living with people, but living community well. And um, I just feel for them because my experience is... I, I'm not a lonely person, you know, because why? Because I pray with people and eat with people every day Mm -hmm. and I get encouraged by people every day. My, my wife mainly, um, also friends, but I'm just talking about like in my family, my kids encourage me. I encourage them. They encourage each other. So I think encouragement, prayer, and just sharing life together, it, it fills my life. And so I love my life. And I just, it was in the context of me feeling some sympathy, a lot of sympathy for those priests that find it hard to find that same dynamic yep. in their life. Yeah, no, it's important. This is kind of the convo I want to get into uh, today. So I was really, I'm enamored by this reading in the gospel, you know, in Mark chapter 2. Um, and we all know the story. Um, so there's this guy who's sick, paralyzed. You know, I don't I don't know what his ailment is, you know, you know, how he got paralyzed, why he's on a stretcher. I'd love to know the backstory. I don't know if he fell off a camel. Um, I don't know if he tripped over something born that way. I have no idea, right? Uh, but Jesus is gathered in this house, and the house is packed. It's full. And they, his friends have him on the stretcher, and they're trying to get him into the house so that uh, Jesus can heal him. You know, the, I don't know how they know Jesus, but they've probably heard that, you know, Jesus is a healer, does miracles, and they can't get their friend into the house. And th- this is like where the story just turns for me is that um, they love this guy so much that they climb on the roof of a house. They, they kick open a hole in the roof of the house 
and they lower him. They figure out how to shimmy him, pulley him down, <laughs> get ropes. Just hang on, Bill. <laughs> yeah, and lower this cat down right in front of Jesus. And then, you know, Jesus heals him. He sees their faith. He sees the community. He sees their friendship. He sees their willingness. He sees more than just the paralytic. He sees the friends. And a miracle happens. And I've just really been enamored by that story of just thinking that's community. Like, that's friendship. And do I operate that way on all ends? Like, am I a friend who lower, who, who is willing to do anything for other friend community? Uh, will I kick open a hole in a roof to lower them down? Uh, am, am I sometimes sick on a stretcher and willing to let other people help me? Yeah, it's important. And I, I think that in our life, the Lord designed the church this way so that we experience him. And it's not because we need to have all these faces of Jesus necessarily, but because we're human, for our heart to really be full, we need a full, robust relationship with a person. Okay, so use an analogy, like my wife, right? If I'm going to have a full, robust relationship with my wife, I have to know her not just directly, but in the context of other settings. For example, I have to know her when we're with other friends, too, and see her interact with them. So to see her as a friend amongst friends, I have to know her by hearing from others how awesome she is. Like, hey, your wife came, did this for us, and like, I would have never known, and they're like, you know, your wife's great. Like, I have to have a multifaceted relationship with this woman in addition to the direct one. It's the same way with our Lord Jesus Christ. And some of the most moving moments in my relationship with Christ come through other people where someone else is praying for me, for example, like out loud in front of me, you know, like, Lord bless Adam with his... It's very moving, and it enhances my relationship with him. And the thing is, if I'm not in a community where that aspect of my relationship with Christ is there, like people are bringing me to Jesus on purpose, I'm missing something in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not as full as it could be. Right. Yeah, and I think when we talk about friendship and community, you know, we live in a world of loneliness. So loneliness is an epidemic. Yeah. It's an epidemic amongst married people. It's an epidemic amongst single people. It's an epidemic epidemic amongst clerical people. Uh, it's young, an epi- old. Yeah, like so. Some a lot of you know single people say, "Well, married people aren't loneliness." Is a, community is is the ability to be transparent about who we are and what we're dealing with. I am struggling with loneliness. I invite you to enter into my loneliness and help me snap out of that. Like so, there's this human interaction that uh, crosses over the threshold of the barriers that we put in our life, like. So we're able to talk on a, on a whole nother level, you know, on a, on a very base level, every now and then I, I, well, not every now and then, probably at least once a week, I stop at local McDonald's, you know, in small town. And, you know, I, I'll go there in the morning and, you know, I'll get a tea or whatever. And in the mornings there, there's a group of old retired men every morning. And they, they sit there and they have coffee and they talk about life. And I'm enamored by this group <laughs> uh, because it's not a Bible study. Uh, I don't know really what they're talking about. Probably a lot about people uh, and, you know, the way things used to be. 
but it's beautiful seeing the human interaction and they love living life together and they find joy in this community and we can't have we can't get better at life virtually let's go back to that like community really is about this interaction like you said having dinner together uh hanging out together being intentional about being together um you know whether it be laughing or crying you know it doesn't always have to be this deep conversation but being together and allowing ourselves to be fully human we're fully human when we're with other people yeah well like pope john paul ii would always say we we discover ourselves by making a gift of ourselves and so if we're able to love people we actually find out who we really are it's kind of like looking at a human being as a finished product or as something that's happening in front of me so like paul is in front of me right now and are you just like a statue kind of like you're just the sum of all of your past experiences and now behold paul or are you as a person something that's happening right now like you're becoming something in in front of me right and i think it's a fundamental distinction of community is that community is not a place where everyone just needs to accept who we are and i think that's kind of a bad way to look at it because that's that offends us like when you don't when i don't feel accepted by you i'm hurt and i'm upset because you're not the husband or the wife it's more like we're helping each other become who god's called us to be right that's a good point. And that's, and that's what we're interested in. And yeah, that includes who you are, and I accept that. But my main goal is I want to help you become who God wants you to be. You know, who, I want you to an- help you answer God's call in your life and who you are becoming. And the beauty of community is that part of that call includes our relationship. Yeah. Like you're going to become who God wants you to be because we're in each other's lives. Yep. And that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I go, go back to this passage. Like, this guy's friends... We're unwilling to allow him to continue to be paralyzed. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, the guy could have said, no, don't take me. But they, they could have just said, no, we're taking you. We refuse to allow you to live this Don't life. bother Jesus, you know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, like, that's the type of um, people we need to be. Like, we refuse to let people stay or sit where they're at. Um, and we want to help move them forward in their life um you know like that's the type of friends we need to be to other people um and yet at the same time we need friends in our life people in our life who's, who look at us and say i'm not allowing you to continue to live that way yeah um but but here's here's the thing about an unhealthy relationship community or person is and i get a lot of this i get a lot of this in friendships and i get a lot of this in emails or people who are requesting to talk to me or want me to talk to somebody who they think i need to talk to okay the the question i'll ask is does that person even want to talk to someone yeah and most of the times they'll say well no that they're they're unwilling they're un- they, they don't want to grow that to me is a is a huge obstacle in someone's life. Like if it, if you're not willing to say, yeah, I need to work on this or through this, then you're not going to grow. Period. Yeah. Like if you say, I refuse to change. I this is just the way I am. Uh, I'm not changing behavior. I don't want to talk to anyone about it. You will never get better. You'll never grow. And this is the importance of having people in our life who's saying, Do you want to get better at that? Because I think I can help you. Mm. Like if we're not willing to do that, then 
then we're never going to grow. We're never going to get better. We're simply going to just always stay the way we've always been. And that to me, that to me is a tragedy in people's lives. It'd be like if the paralyzed man just kept falling off the stretcher. They're trying to put him back on. He just jumps off. I'm not doing it. Right. <laughs> he would have never made it in to see Jesus. Yeah, and he would have never experienced the miracle. Mm. He would have never walked, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so he's got the ability to have friends who are saying, no, we're unwilling to, to allow you to continue to live this way. And so we're taking you to a place that we know that's going to help you, right? Yeah. And... This this can be as simple things in life. It could be you could be in business and family and your marriage and your relationships. Is is find out places you need to grow and meet with someone. So I was meeting someone in business the other day, and he was <clears throat> talking about a situation in his company and the dynamics of the people he oversees and and their lack of moving forward as a team. Okay, and the dynamics. And I was able just to. And he wasn't asking, but I was able to identify uh, a kink in, in their chain and just say, what if you did this? And he goes, I never thought about that. If I wouldn't have had this conversation with you, I might not. And he's able to identify. So it could be anything in your life. I mean, your marriage, like I'm having trouble communicating. I'm having trouble being vulnerable. I'm having trouble with balance. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, work is overcoming my life. I'm stressed. I'm, like, if we don't have other people in our life speaking into that, like, what are we doing? Like, how are we getting better? We, we can't be the solution to our own problems. Wow, yeah, that's true. Right? And a lot of our problems are self-caused because of how we think or view things or or just because we simply don't know certain things. Right, and we can't don't have be the skills. solution to our own self-interpretation mm -hmm. of what Jesus wants. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's now, true. Yeah. We can't, sometimes we could pray and God's like, do, you know, and I challenge, and yes. But like, if if that's the story, is if that's the loop of our life, it's just me and Jesus constantly interpreting how I need to get better and no one else is speaking into that, then I'm just going to continue to do the same things over and over and over. No, I love that you're saying that. It reminds me of how when it comes to public revelation, the Lord gives us an infallible interpreter, right? The magisterium of the church because we are not able to, for ourselves, receive and interpret perfectly. And, um, and St. Peter says that. He says, no scripture is a matter of personal interpretation. So that's public revelation. In other words, what God is saying to everyone. Right. The whole church. So there must be some kind of analogy there to when God says something to me right. personally. He intends, or the mind of God, is that it would be interpreted and and St. Paul says this about, you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy is that you need interpreters. Right. Right? So like this idea that not when God has something to say to me personally and not publicly, there would still be some dynamic of discernment and interpretation Absolutely. that's more than me. Yeah, and in, and you know, in marriage like I rarely make any big never make any big decisions without consulting my wife, right? And we're together in interpreting what God might be asking of us. And that takes a lot of humility yeah. because is do I own what God is telling me? Is it my property or is it bigger than me? Right. And is it just to bless me? Is God just trying to bless me or is he trying to bless, bless others through me Right. And what he's telling me? And I think that everyone needs a spiritual director, a coach, a mm -hmm. mentor, a group of friends, a small group to, to bounce all these things off of. 
Yeah. Like, like it's as simple as that. Like that we, can, we don't have to overcomplicate it. Find your group that meets at McDonald's, right? Yeah. Uh, find your, you know, your Bible study, your small group, a mentor, a coach, uh, a spiritual director. Um, you don't have to have all those things, but you have to have some of those things, one of those things, to really kind of keep you, um, you know, not sinking into yourself, to not be self-absorbed, even in your own uh, desire to grow. Yeah. You can't grow yourself. Like, like at some point, you become the very obstacle to growth of yourself. Yeah. Right? And I've heard it said even in, in, in companies like the, the CEO, if, if eventually like the head of the organization or company can admit that I'm the very obstacle to growth, like unless I surround myself with the right people, this thing's going nowhere. Right. Think yeah. about it in the spiritual life. Well, and see, this is, this is the idea of community, I think, if we're talking about Christian community, is that all the adult members, and the kids too, but like if you're a grown person in a community, so it could be just a small group of friends like, right. that meets together for whatever, but all adults in a community, in, in a Christian community, have a responsibility to ask this question, are we growing closer to God as a group, or are we not? And how do we make adjustments to make to make it better, right? Because the Lord does never never calls us to a community to just stay still. And each year we should be able to look and say, "Man, I wouldn't know where I'd be without these people in my life this year." Like a year ago, I, I don't know what my life would look like this year versus last year. Each community that God calls us to, He wants that kind of impact. Now, I'm not talking about major ways, like, but I've grown so much from this experience. I don't know who I'd be without it. Right. Like that's the gift God wants to give us. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's, that's the good challenge for us, you know, is how's God asking us to grow? You know, and I think as we approach the new year, you know, we're always thinking about like goals and objectives and, you know, all these things, which, I'm all about. I think it's silly to set them first of the year because we forget them. I like, like I'm a goal setter throughout the year because I think, you know, like I don't want to just do it once a year type thing. Mm. But I have understood in in a good way and and in a hard way, tough lessons that my growth, uh, like the best that I can do for my own growth is just simply have the intention to grow <laughs> and I need other people to take that intention and help it move forward. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think this guy on the stretcher had, he, I, you know, theological speculation would say he probably wanted to walk. Right. Yeah. You know, like he, he did. I don't think there's anything that he ever says, you know, that, that he, you know, but I like, we all have good intentions, Right. Like I don't I haven't met anyone who's like had horrible intentions for their life. They're like, you know what? I don't want to grow. You know what? I want to be miserable. You know what? I want to be sad. You know what? I, I want to do horrible things with my life. No one says that. We all have good intentions. How do we move those intentions forward? I think yeah. you know our desire. We have to have other people as well to help us move. Well, I those think you're forward. touching on something very important, and that is identifying or self knowledge. So, for example, in St. John of the Cross, who we celebrate today, was huge on this, like knowing yourself. But for example, one of the causes of that paralyzed man being in front of Jesus 
was that he knew he couldn't walk. He knew he wanted to walk, and his friends knew the same thing. Yeah. Now, let's say he was a healthy man, okay? And those same friends came up to him and said, hey, Jesus is coming. Hmm. He's going to be around. You want to go What see do you him? want from Jesus? Hmm. And he, he just kind of stood there. I don't know. Uh, I'd less love people better. Maybe I want to be a better husband. You know, just like, like this vague, I don't know. He would have been in the crowd like everybody else. That's true. He wouldn't have been right in front of him. So it brings us to the foot of Jesus is a profound awareness of what we need from him and that we've shared this need with others so that they can help us find that same thing. And there are specific ways I need to be better as a husband. In general, I need to be a better husband. But there are specific ways. And if I don't have this self-awareness, and if I'm not talking about it with my brothers that are also husbands, then I'm not going to find the same healing and growth that I would as if people could bring me to Jesus very directly and specifically. Absolutely. I'm going to end the, this, this segment on this. That I was having this conversation with this guy the other day, and we are talking about the, the response from someone saying, I don't know. And he's like, that's not, a, that's not a good response. We need to find a better response. I said, no, it's actually a really good response. Because I don't know tells you just tells you as much about the person if they do know. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If they do know, okay, you know. But if they don't know about themselves, it tells you just as much of what they don't know. And I think sometimes, you know, if I, you know, if I say, you say, Paul, how can you grow in your, you know, in your love for someone you hate or in your marriage or in your prayer life? And I, my response was, man, I don't know. The Paul and George so Show is made possible in really part by our partners at Solidarity right. HealthShare. So Solidarity is the Catholic can, solution you, you to the healthcare problem. Like, well, let's talk Are you paying that? too much like, for your you know, healthcare so costs? Help me Solidarity to understand what I don't know. Ministry, which so anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk more about it. Paul and Adam, Art of Living. While protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. We're talking the art of living, all things art of living. I'm Paul George, and next to me in studio is the great Adam Conk. So you just did an interpretation of me on the intro. So I was giving you another shot at the intro. (laughs) That felt so good, though. You did. I, I think I nailed it. You did. You did very well at it. Thank you. But you. I think I nailed it. You did me. Yeah. Instead of you. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And so, I felt really good about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe next show you can do you. Okay. I'm instead getting, of me, I'm getting the message now. Yeah. Loud and clear. Yeah, but. <laughs> You know, you got this, man. You got this, man. <laughs> <laughs> you re- you really do. Uh, good discussion today, man. O- okay, I'm thinking a hardcore mm. mm, six-pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So we've talked about community today in some detail. And this is a theme like several years in the church. A lot of the lay people are talking about 
more community, more community, more community. It doesn't seem to be gaining much traction in many circles. I think some find it and they're grateful, but it seems to be that more people are looking for it than find it, finding it. So question number one, Yo. if I'm in a situation where I feel like I need to find a community, that's, how, that's where I'm at. What's your number one suggestion where to go? I think you need to think about what your expectations are first. Because I think the reason people struggle with it is they have unrealistic expectations for community. My church should be this perfect community. You know, my this should be this perfect community. And I think oftentimes, like, um, our church parish is a community, but we may not feel like this intimate connection with people there. And that's okay. Like, so what are your expectations? What are your needs for community? So you kind of have to decide what your needs are and then go from there. You know, so if your expectation is this, maybe it's unrealistic expectation or maybe it's realistic. Determine that and then determine what you need. You know, so there's layers of community. We always think like, well, everything needs to be community, but like it might not be what you need. So you may go to your parish and not find real connection, maybe a little bit of connection, but maybe you have a small group, a Bible study, a men's group, a coffee group, uh, three or four guys or, or girls if you're uh, that you get together with once a month. Like... And that might be completely great for someone. What I'm saying is that you just need something, right? And so find what you need and and make that part of your your life, your intentions, and your growth. Man, I love that answer. You need to make that a book. A book at finding community. All right, we're going back and forth on this six-pack. Okay. All right? Okay. You're not drilling me. Oh, co-drilling. Yeah, <laughs> co-drilling we're having a six-pack question off oh, competition boy. today <laughs> you are in it i think the nfl playoffs bring this out in you you're I, like <laughs> i'm in the competitive spirit next thing you know we're gonna be r- wrestling on the floor uh all right question you, you would win by the way numero two okay what would what would you say would be the number one or two or three you know top things that would would kind of highlight a, an unhealthy relationship or community. I think that that would just, you know, kind of, you know, take it in the wrong direction. Sure. So one is the first thing I would examine if I think there's some unhealthy aspects to a community. The first thing I would examine is my resentment level, hmm. my resentment level, not the community, but like my, so who do I resent? Is it growing or is it getting better? In other words, I resent this person and I resent them more than a year ago or less than a year ago, and start there. Because the resentment is a sign of an inability to resolve conflict. That's all it is. Right. That's literally all it is. And sometimes the resolution has nothing to do with how they change, but how I change. But really what resolves it is mutual understanding. So it's not that they stop doing something or I stop doing something. It's that I don't understand this person, and they don't understand me, and so I resent them. And so if I engage in... A discussion with them about whatever the issue is, either it gets resolved, in other words, mutual understanding, or it reveals that it can't be resolved, and that's an issue to think about, you know? Hmm. So I would say, one, uh, measure the resentment in the community. And then two, I would say faithfulness to the community. So if, if I don't have a clear sense of the fundamental task I have in this community, my fundamental role, what what my contribution is, then I can't be faithful to it. So let's say a family. If I'm the husband or the child or the wife or whatever, 
Well, what does that mean fundamentally? Like, what role do I play? Bottom line, if I can't articulate it well, then I can't be faithful to it. Like, I can't stand before Jesus and say, hey, I was a good husband, right? So I have to get down to the nitty-gritty of what the fundamental role I have in this community is so that I can be faithful to it before God. Absolutely. That's good. Question number three. Ooh. So I'm really intrigued by what you said about CEOs kind of realizing they're getting in the way of the organization's growth. And I'm wondering, what what would be a good way to evaluate how I am hindering a, the community I belong to in their in their growth? Like, how do I realize that I'm that person? Great question. I, I think one of the, the lies or, you know, myths that we believe is that uh, we can be good at everything. Um, and so if you work in a company or you're even in a marriage or a friendship that that you could be good at everything. And the reality is we can't be good at everything. We don't have the gifts to do everything, to run everything correctly. And I think it's that self-knowledge of acknowledging, you know what, like even in a sense of friendship, a community, or my marriage, like I'm not great at everything. And my spouse might be better at some things than me, and that's okay and that's good. And in friendships, acknowledging that there are other people who are better at this than me and uh, have better gifts or different gifts. And, and so it, there, there's a complementarity that begins to happen. And I think when, when that's not happening, it's to get to your real answer to your question is uh, w- w- we keep something from growing because we feel like that we're, we're the, the grower of it. We're the only one who can do it. And that's, that's false. And I think the humility of surrounding ourselves with other people and leaning on them is huge. Real huge. I love that. Yeah. Man, you really you need to write something on this. <laughs> Some good stuff. <laughs> All right. We're on question number four. Okay. Question number four. <laughs> Here's a question. You talked about conflict and resolution. I love that song. By uh, and what I want to know is what's, what's a great way just to resolve conflict? conflict or resolution because i think oftentimes is you know we have resentment and there's no resolution so we just say i don't want to deal with that person so i'm out i'm going to find another community or friendship and yet it's it's it might be simple as finding resolution how do we do that all right so i would suggest this and this this should cover all community bases depending on what it is right so the first thing is i have to come to terms with forgiving the person um before anything before they say they're sorry before. And that's just an action in my mind. Like, I, yep. I choose to forgive. I need to pray with Jesus. And even if I feel like I can't, I just have to come, come to terms with... Because what does forgiveness mean? Forgiveness does not mean that everything's okay and I'm emotionally healed by the situation. Right. Forgiveness is, I recognize that my fundamental desire in life is that me and this person end up in heaven together hmm. forever. That's great. You I'll see what I'm saying? That. Like, yeah. nothing has happened... That has changed the fact that I want to be in heaven with this person forever. So you could still be hurt, but you will the good of the other still, even and, though you're hurt. And that is forgiveness, okay? That is Christian forgiveness, is that the thing I want most in this situation is that we are with Jesus forever in heaven, and I, and I see that, okay? So that's step number one, is I have to come to that place before I do anything else. Because anything I do without that in mind is going to make things worse. Two, I need to decide, is it worth resolving this conflict? Because some conflicts are not worth resolving. What I mean by that is, depending on the relationship, and it might be a workplace situation, for example, and this person might only be in my life for the next six months or 
two years or who know, and maybe it's not worth the the risk of trying to resolve it because there are certain situations or relationships that we don't have control over. So I might start to resolve a, a conflict, but then it gets hijacked or that person you know blows up and I make things worse. Mm. Or if I would just left it alone, it'd been fine. Now I should resolve every conflict just about with my wife or my kids or my close friends, like. Like it's worth the energy because sometimes it's a long-term commitment to resolve something yeah. and it's just not worth that commitment with certain relationships. So the number two step, is this worth resolving? Right. And if it's not, then I have to be okay with it. I have Walk to leave it alone and stop trying and just, just be okay with it. And if it is, I would say step number three is to establish a common desire to resolve it and to understand each other, not to change something about the other person or that I would change even that they want me to change is that, hey, do we both agree we want to resolve this and come to mutual understanding? Hmm. And then explore that within your relationship and, and it should be fine. I like that. That mutual understanding is important. It's humility. Let me hear you. You hear me. And let's just talk. Just talk. Talk it out. All right. Question number five. Cinco. Cinco. So I noticed that some people have kind of a natural disposition to relationships, people, persons, and mm -hmm. some people don't. And we usually use the terms like extrovert, introvert, introvert, but that's inaccurate. Like mm -hmm. it's not really how that works. Right. So what would, what would you say to someone who kind of just doesn't see themselves as like a community person, as a people person? And anytime this subject comes up, they're just like, ah, I'm just, that's just not me. You know, I just want to go by myself with Jesus and I'll be happy. Just leave me alone. And maybe they are, I don't know. But what would you say to somebody who's not aware of their need for community and like doesn't even feel like they need to or it kind of annoys them, even the idea? I would say we're all created for relationship, you know, and some people it seems like they're better in a big crowd. Some people are more comfortable in a smaller group. Uh, but we're all created for, for intimate connection with people. And if if you're not finding that or if you're close to that, I would ask yourself why. Like have you been hurt in the past? Have you never experienced healthy community or healthy relationships? Like just to be honest about that and to kind of maybe receive some healing because I think at the end of the day, like, you know, loneliness is an epidemic that's not good for us, hence an epidemic. So to get us out of that loneliness is relationships. It can't be virtual. And so if, if we're not having those relationships and we're close to them, I think I would just ask myself why, 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 so that I can move on and get better at that. Love it. All right. Last question. Question number six. Question of lasto. Do you know six in Spanish? Ses. French? No. No? <laughs> no, yeah. actually. Undetacuata. No? I only counted three French. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Do you know it? Um, I I'll think about it as you're talking. Okay. So here's the question. Question number six. <laughs> uh, how do you bring, you know, you're... Uh, one of the gifts that you have is you're, you're a joyful person. Um, how do you bring joy to community? You know, like sometimes we try to be so serious and deep and whatever. We just need to have fun. It's it's part of the community. So what's a tip on having joy, community, particularly as we approach the holidays? I think one of the requirements of true joy is security. Insecure people, it's hard to enjoy things. And there's two ways that it's hard to enjoy things as an insecure person. One, are, are we afraid of what people might think of us or how we look? Well, or? I think that's part of it. Um, 
but the type of insecurity I'm talking about is like, I don't really know who I am or I don't feel secure in who I am hmm. or I don't feel secure in how things are. Like, in other words, this, the current situation is insecure. Things are unstable. Wow. Um, what that brings out, I think the two sides of that coin, one is we have to do things a certain way. And if it's not this certain way, it's a disaster because things are so insecure. They could fall apart at any moment. Anytime we don't do X, Y, Z, it's a disaster. On the other side of that coin is I don't take anything seriously. Everything has to be fun and enjoyable, whatever. So there can be no real substance or like whatever. It just has to be fun all the time, like entertaining all the time. or I'm not interested. So concretely, if I know who I am in Jesus Christ and I'm secure that his love for me is present no matter the state of the church, no matter the state of my family, no matter the state of my marriage, no matter whatever, then I can actually have joy in any situation, whether it's an illness, okay, serious illness, someone just died, and you say, well, that's not a joyful time. It's not, but my point is that the joy I have in Jesus Christ becomes my security. In other words, secure meaning it's not going to move. Right. You know, like, think of when you're packing a truck to move or something. Guys, guys are... We have to say this. If we're putting stuff in the back of a truck and strapping it down, what's the one thing we just have to say? That's not going anywhere. Right. Like, it has to come out of our mouths. Right. Oh, yeah, that's not going anywhere. That's not, I got that. That's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's not moving. Right. right? Yeah. That's security. Security is it's not going anywhere. It's not moving. Um, this is why, you know, children of divorced homes, if she could relate to this, like, security is a big deal mm-hmm. because things seem so transitory. Relationships right. seem transitory. And we have to have something that's not going anywhere. That's Jesus Christ. Hmm. And until we have that, we're grasping for those things. Mm. And true joy is eternal, and so it's not transitory. So if you're in a community where you feel like we need to have more joy, well, first of all, ask yourself, what do you mean by that? Do you mean you want to be more entertained and have more fun? Because that's not the same thing as joy. True joy is that God loves us no matter what. And we could do things wrong this morning. Like, for example, if we go to Mass together and we're not all holding our hands perfectly or whatever— it's okay. Like, we don't have to get upset about it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because God still loves us, and we all know what the right way to do things is, and I don't know why this person's doing it the wrong way, but it, it's not going to bother my joy. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> so, long answer to your very easy question, which is, uh, how do we have more joy in our community? We have to come to understand and rely on God's love is going nowhere. Hmm. It's in my life. And just I can't rest run in from that. It. Just rest in that, and then chill out like relax i like that even in the most serious things like mm. worship of god at mass or family meals where you're supposed to come together and it could be tense whatever like we're gonna get through this god loves us no matter what amen i love that dude great show great conversation yeah um so thanks everyone for listening to the show you can actually get it on podcast on itunes or soundcloud or google play um you can share it uh share the joy uh you can get the book speaking of joy rethink happiness Type it in on Amazon. Uh, Third Sunday of Advent is in two days. That's the Joy Sunday. That is the Joy. Whoa. Yep. So it's a great book for the holidays. Yep. Great gift. Um, so you can get that. Share it. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Adam. And we'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.